so our last our, our our Halloween podcast people were like what was your story Father Harrison oh they've been waiting for weeks and we kept on freaking weeks we kept on it's been weeks that was weeks ago weeks and weeks and mm-hmm. weeks that was almost a month ago now mm-hmm. month ago a lifetime yeah, ago I've lost all sense of time mm-hmm. um, so I thought well let's get the people what they want because we are we are priests of the people right amen we are priests yeah, we are from the people of the people for the, the people, people. For the people exactly you know also for god and exactly. for our own souls but yeah people too yes 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 so uh i'll give you my story of we were talking about exorcisms on that podcast and stuff like that and you shared your story so here's mine <laughs> so when i was a deacon uh in seminary in edmonton i was uh, we, we get assigned to parishes as deacons and so I was assigned to a parish the southeast side of Edmonton and I'd you know preach there once a month and get I got actually quite involved in the parish because I had nothing to do in my last year seminary because I was all reading courses so I, I found stuff to do in the parish and uh, this woman came up to me one day after mass saying you know I said, do you have a moment to talk I said yeah sure sure so we talked and she was telling me that her son's been seeing demons for years like, okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so my first sense in those situations is always, well, have you had your house blessed? Yeah. She goes, and then she goes, no. I said, well, how about this? I'll come over because as a deacon, I can bless a house. So I was like, uh, let me come over and I'll bless your house. And if your son's there, I can talk to him and your husband and everything and just get a sense of the situation. She was great. So I go over, I bless the house. And they tell me, yeah, like, so first, like, I'm in the living room. They're like, yeah, you see that corner over there? The dog's always barking at that corner for some reason. It's j- And it's just that corner. I said, okay. And then I met the son. Totally normal kid. I noticed no psychosis or anything like that. And he was just telling me about how he sees them and what they look like and how they act. They don't hurt anyone or anything, but he sees them always around. So I said, okay, this is interesting. So I blessed the house. I just listened. I said, there's not much else I can do right now. Just let me know what the results are after the blessing. And so about a month goes by. I go back over. She goes, no, he sees less now, but he still sees them. So I said, so, so where do you see them? He goes, well, there's a lot less of them now, but they congregate in one area specifically. I said, okay, where? He goes, on my parents' bed. Woo. Woo. Like... <laughs> whoa okay the, and so I say to the mom I said what's your marriage situation she goes we're not married I said oh why not I said how long have you guys been together 14 years wow why aren't you married because he doesn't want to get married uh, that's... he's afraid of he's afraid that of commitment or whatever yeah, it was sad. I said okay it's very sad I can't tell her what to do about her marriage, but I said, you know, I think this is something you, what do you want? She goes, I want marriage. Mm-hmm. I want that commitment. And so she, I said, well, that's a conversation you're going to have to have with him. Now, an interesting thing is in all this situation, she started going back to church and she went to confession. The priest had told her, well, I can't give you absolution since you're not married and you're living in an adulterous situation at the moment. I can't give you absolution mm-hmm. unless you're wanting to be you know, live as brother and sister. Um, but she started going to church like all the time, started praying her rosary, started doing devotions. Like it was something that really got her going back into her life of faith. I said, well, 
I said to her, I don't know if what's going on with your son is psychological or spiritual. But regardless of it, it's focused around your marriage. Yeah. Either he's got this intuition about the the incompleteness of your relationship or there is something happening because of the sinful situation you're living in. Mm -hmm. And that needs to come to a resolution. What that resolution is, is up to you. I leave that in your hands. And that was towards the end of my year. Like it was coming to an end there. And she said that he started, the son started seeing them less and less after I had done a few visits. Sure. And eventually, and then she said to me, she, I got an email about six months later when I was back in Victoria. She goes, I just wanted to give you an update. I ha- I left him. She left her okay, yeah. boyfriend after 14 years. And my son has stopped seeing everything. And that was that. So, so it sounds like the lesson that we should take from this is that if you engage in premarital sex, demons will literally be dancing on your bed. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> I think that's what the people need to know. Okay, sure. <laughs> On that note, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I got no response to that. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. Got I'm em. Father Harrison. Oh. Yeah, I'm Father Anthony. And uh, yeah, how are you doing? I am doing thoroughly okay. So as you can tell. Well, you're the Pittsburgh's okayest. Indeed, Pittsburgh. indeed. So as you can tell, but the people can't tell. Behind me, what's new behind me? As you, you've got books. I finally. finally have. So I've always had books. So I've been in this parish for like four, five weeks. I don't know. It feels like forever, even though I've only been here a few weeks. I don't mean yeah. that as a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a crazy, crazy assignment. I love it. But anywho, I've had these boxes of books that I haven't unpacked because I had no bookcase. Well, luckily and thankfully, some people brought up some nice bookcases for me and now i've got my books uh-huh. surrounding me making awesome. me feel smarter already nice. but there's a nice. little problem now do you read the books oh i've read let's see i have used not necessarily read cover to cover but used probably 80 yeah. percent of these books okay, okay. right that's fair so, yeah. like all the scripture ones uh i've like used before some of them i've actually read a lot of spiritual ones got a lot of comic mm-hmm. books over here too uh, mm-hmm. But here's the thing. What kind of comics? Oh, comic books. Okay, sorry. Okay, no, no, no. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. So, comics. I basically, I am not. I am not an authentic comic book nerd. I don't know okay. how I'm not, because like everything about my youth screams comic book nerd, but just somehow right. I just I just dodged that bullet somehow, and it actually makes me sad <laughs> because. Okay, so I started yeah. watching the the Marvel movies when they came out, yeah. and I like, really got into the Marvel movies. So I was like, Wikipedia ing the storylines and where they drew the inspiration from and I'm reading mm-hmm. all this stuff and of course I was a fan of Batman the animated uh, series which is mm-hmm. the the best Batman and so I'm reading uh, all this stuff no wrong garbage opinion what I don't even do this with me right now Father Harrison Christopher Nolan Christopher no, Nolan no, no have you yeah, oh, yeah, my, yeah, oh my goodness yeah, oh my goodness yeah okay Batman yes, the animated wrong. series is the, it's the best animated superhero. It's the best series. Batman. It's the best Batman voice. Wrong. Is wrong. the best wrong. Batman voice. No, How you are wrong. Dare you say that? That is not the least. At least admit. Where is she? No, that's 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 <laughs> someone trying to be Batman. The Batman voice from Batman the animated series isn't someone trying to be Batman. That's just Batman. Okay, I'm sorry. Where am I? What what day is it today? What are we doing? 
Uh, you're talking about comic books and Marvel. Oh, okay. So, whew. And then you started getting into your garbage opinion. Yes. Okay. So I was reading all the Wikipedia stories about all the, the stories that happened in the comic books. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just buy a, buy a comic book? So I mostly have DC stuff there, uh, which I like. Okay. Um, so that's, that's there. But okay, this is what I was yep. getting to. This is what I was getting to. Even though I like my books surrounding me, there is one bookshelf that is at an angle. It is like noticeably, I want, I want to see if you can see it, but it's like noticeably at an angle. Like, yeah. yeah it, it's like leaning yeah. against the wall. And I tried to, it's not, yeah. it's not a thing with, it's just a warped bookcase. Yeah. And I'm trying to decide whether or not that will bring me in the course of a few weeks to the brink of complete insanity because my room is not like symmetrical. So we'll see. Stay hmm. tuned for that. See if Father Anthony goes insane because of his bookcases. There are... You already are insane. That's the thing. Oh, I have not even begun. I have not even begun yeah. to go crazy. I I keep it so together. People do not understand how much I keep it together. Like right now. Oh. Or with your garbage opinion about Batman. <laughs> I can't even... <laughs> it just... There's so much emotion... And so much rage at that, at how wrong you are, that my intellect has it's failed me. It's abandoned see, me. Look how calm and at peace I am about how wrong you just are. Just like... I think that's just proof that I'm right. Just because you have a cold, uncaring, unfeeling heart and a stupid head doesn't make you right about this. Well, you, know, you want to know who didn't have a stupid head? St. Thomas Aquinas. Boom! <laughs> yes! Summa Tweeta Logica, baby. Summa Tweeta Logica. Summa Tweeta Logica. Summa Tweeta Logica. Summa Tweeta Logica. We talk about the Tweeta. Summa Tweeta Logica. <laughs> I'm okay, gonna great. give you. I'm gonna give you an A just because you saved you saved the podcast because we need to move on. So <laughs> just for saving on. that'll saving the podcast. We'll talk about Batman one day. We will. We will talk about Batman. We will talk about Batman. Okay. All right. Let me uh, let me get my, <sighs> my secret archives opened. Uh. Okay. Uh. Ed Condon. Oh. Canon lawyer Ed. He's great. Krispy Kreme is basically garbage. Be Dunkin' Donuts or be nothing. Go ahead and at me. I don't even care. P.S. Tim Hortons is just a Canadian in and out. A massive, undeserved, hype-sustained, only because of the vast majority of real people will never, ever, ever get to one. That take <sighs> is so spicy. It is such a hot take that my ears are on fire just hearing you read that okay. tweet. Yes. Where do you, so, you want to start with that one? <laughs> Uh, well, let's start with the donuts thing. Because hey, I've had Krispy Kreme. They're good. I, I don't see why people, like, die over them. Mm -hmm. But they're good. I haven't really... You see, Dunkin' Donuts isn't really a thing in Canada. So I don't really have... I've never really tried them. Yeah. Uh, so that's my first one. This is where Ed's wrong. Partially. Well, can we pause How you? Can we pause he... you then? Because before you get okay. all fired up, I need to speak about Krispy Kreme donuts right now. Okay. okay. So I am, I am definitely a cake donut kind of guy. 
So okay. I, I feel I really feel like Krispy Kreme donuts are just a different category than Dunkin' yeah. Donuts. Yeah, but that's pure lard. that's a different different argument. I normally yeah. prefer Dunkin' Donuts because they're like real donuts to me. Yeah, but yeah. Here's the thing, Krispy Kreme donuts they they found their way deep into my heart because in seminary in seminary I started going to counseling. So I was going to counseling down in D.C. And so you you meet with a counselor. You're talking about your emotions. You're talking about your upbringing bringing and it's and it's difficult and it's hard work so i would leave just feeling like that was good but it was tough it was tired and on my way to the metro there was a crispy cream donut and that's and that's where i just ate the rest of my feelings via crispy cream donuts and it was <laughs> just sure. so comforting the fluffy yeah. the fluffy yeah. pillow yeah. Of, of a cake and just just and they melt in your mouth uh, and you, eat, you, eat, you see this is like in we we uh, sometimes because we don't have crispy cream in canada uh-huh. but people will bring Krispy Kreme donuts up from the states for fundraisers up here. But I'm like, I don't want to buy them because the whole point of buying Krispy Kreme donuts is to get them fresh yes, at the store. Yes, yes, you have yes, to have yes. them fresh. I agree. Okay, so uh, my favorite donut place is actually a little hipster place in Victoria, which makes amazing donuts. Um, but this is where Ed's wrong. Okay, let's get to where Ed's wrong because Ed, Ed is rarely wrong. Ed is really wrong about anything. Well, yeah, but this is my thing. How dare he? <laughs> How dare he drag the good name of In-N-Out Burger with the garbage Tim Hortons? So I'm a Canadian. I literally have a Tim Hortons like two blocks away from me. I refuse to go in there. I, I actually thought that your rectory was a Tim Hortons. I just assumed that's where a priest yeah. lives at Tim Hortons. Right. Their, carb- their, their coffee tastes like cigarette butts. Like burnt cigarette butts put into liquid form. Mm. It's disgusting. I, I hate Tim Hortons. Their sandwiches are subpar. Um, and he puts the good name of In-N-Out Burger with the trash name of Tim Hortons. I don't get it. I'm, I'm, your rage about Batman is my rage about how about him oh. putting Tim oh. Hortons and In-N-Out Burger in the same category. My sweet child, you have not begun to rage. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I keep hearing, I don't know. I'm impartial in as much as I, I don't have any lived experience of these fast food places but i keep okay. i keep hearing whispers i keep hearing that the hype is is just hype i keep i hear this from from ed who who is he's a great guy and i hear this from father michael Lindendahl, and i'm like well ah, who do i who do i really trust now yeah but then what about kyle helmick and me oh that's true i mean kyle's a pretty good authority but um and carrie his wife yeah, but they they don't get two opinions. They get one because they're married. That's how that works. They only count for one. Okay, but they have two minds. I'm just saying, people. there's this subversive thing going on. It's making me. Well, doubt. Father Tim, Father Tim, Father Tim. I haven't. Yeah, he hasn't been on Twitter in months because he's been busy being a priest. So his opinion does not matter to me. That's right, Tim. That's what you get for being a good priest and tending to your people in difficult times. I trash you about a fast food place on our little podcast. Okay. Well, bearded, but wait, wait. What about Jonathan Blevins who says it's his number one burger place? Oh, did he say that? Yeah. He just said that. Ooh. He just said that. See, the thing is, like, I've agreed with, like, every one of Blevins' like, personal opinions that he's ever tweeted before. So that, that, so that is— So why would you break— why would you break the, the, the trend? Uh, you know, okay, 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 okay. So I'm still—I need to try it myself— um, but it's just it's, inter- it's yeah. interesting that's all I'm going to say it's interesting okay, okay? alright alright 
We, we do a lot of food tweets. Food tweets are like <laughs> food tweets are feeling tweets. That's like that's yes, what you know, it gets to you. Like Batman like, and food okay, is what I need to be angry about something. So here's my anger in a very healthy place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Speaking of Twitter, that's a terrible. That's terrible because, of course, we're speaking about Twitter. Anyway, Sister <laughs> Teresa. F. Alethea, who has been getting way too many tweets from Summa Tweetological. We should stop reading her tweets, but this was an important one. She says, Sometimes I just want to give Twitter a good power wash with holy water. Wave emoji, wave emoji, wave emoji, wave emoji. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that sentiment. Sometimes like your feed blows up with like either garbage opinions or people just being dumb. Or this is like, I would get, guys, guys, I would get so less dumb opinions on my feed if you didn't like retweet them and mock them like I just wouldn't know about them I would just be happy but now I'm aware of this trash bag opinion because you had to mock it why don't you just let it go why don't you just let it die in obscurity but anyway Twitter definitely needs a good holy water bath I think how are we going to do that? Do we go to the Twitter offices and just like go to the servers and just douse it with holy exactly. water? Exactly. I so, don't think people will like that. No, no, no. <laughs> you go to like whatever water purification or what reservoir they have in the city. You bring just gallons and gallons and gallons of exercise salt. You pollute in a holy way the entire city's water s- supply with the exercise salt. You bless all of the water. And then you just take fire hoses and just shoot it at the Twitter headquarters. That's what you do. So what you're saying, yes. Or can, can this be like a, can this be kind of like Jesus' sacrifice where you have one figure as like who takes on the holy water for all? Mm-hmm. So do we just douse Jack with holy water? Ooh. See, I feel like my plan is just much more reasonable than your plan though, so. With one person instead of like a whole city or a whole building. I, I mean, I said what I said. Can we bless the rains? Yeah. Down in San Fran? Mm-hmm. They should make a song about that. Bless the rains down in San Fran. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you should you should write that down. I, bet. I should, I should. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Uh, so, skull, bear, chicken. No, no. Skull, ah, skull bear, bat, bee, skull. Daniel Bear. <laughs> he says, here's the official list. Cats, go to heaven. Dogs, no, annihilated. Horses, yeah, duh. Donkeys, yes. Fish, straight to hell. Monkeys, nope. Bees, obviously, yes. Birds, no. Dinosaurs, prehistoric am- anim- uh, mammals, yes, if bigger than dogs. Squirrels, thumbs down. I don't know what to do with this list. There's so Why? much there. Because it's so, there's so much there. And like I don't see a rhyme or reason to it, but I'm drawn <laughs> to it because I'm always drawn to strong opinions. But yeah. I think Daniel underscore Bearman, I it's hard for me to trust his opinions because he does things like runs for fifty miles at a time. And yeah. no person who does that can be right in the brains, right? <laughs> That's true. So it's like I'm, I'm I feel like this is this is like a list that would come out after like running for fifty minutes. Right. Like that your brain's just spitting out <laughs> like, ideas. You're so oxygen depleted <laughs> that you're just like, this is what I'm gonna treat. <laughs> <laughs> Does he like sleep in a hyperbaric chamber to be able to do this? I don't yeah. get it. Like it starts off like with like strong opinions, like cats go to heaven, dogs no annihilated. Amazing. Love that opinion just because it's going to make a lot of people angry. I love it. Horses, yes. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Donkeys, yes. Okay. Fish, straight to hell. Why? 
monkeys no. because they go down toilets so they go down uh, so obviously how maybe that's why they get to monkeys like bees i mean obviously yes birds no i not just no but no in capital letters i don't know this is i think he just goes into insanity as he's tweeting this out Maybe he was tweeting this as he was running, so it made less and less sense. Oh, yeah. He's just running and tweeting. Yeah. That can't be good Maybe. running posture. But here's – okay, so this raises a question, obviously. Uh oh Does your do – you, do you have any pets? No. Or do your parents have any pets? No. Did you have any pets growing no. up? No. Okay. That's why Does I'm your... so unfeeling towards other people's pets. I, I've – we never had pets. I've got a massive phobia of dogs, so I was – well, I was way – I was totally behind the idea of dogs getting annihilated. <laughs> but – um, I, particular dogs I want to be annihilated. I've known some dogs that I want. Okay. To. But anyway, go ahead. So the question is, do dogs go to heaven? Oh, no. We, we, we've been avoiding this question. It's come up here and there. So let's just yeah. give let's give a short answer. I have one. Okay. Do you have one? Go ahead. Do you have one? Okay. Sorry. No, I asked you. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Okay. I need to remember. Sorry. Go, go, go. Sorry. There is a good, I think, scriptural argument for a new heavens, a new earth, um, all of creation is is groaning, awaiting redemption. And if you take that line of argument, it makes me think that, yeah, there'll be dogs and cats and stuff in heaven. Sure. I, okay. Yeah. But I yeah. also love, I just love, love, love the Thomistic argument that like you can't go to heaven if you don't have a rational soul because you're not right. a moral creature. And I think it's, right. but here's the thing. Here's the, the hot take that I actually care about. I don't care about that question. Here's what I right. think. I think many people, will spend extra time in purgatory having their disordered affection for their pets being burned away. People who so treat... So if, if you have a wheelchair for your dog, yes. that's minus 50 points. It's minus 50 points, man. That's going to bring you to the bad place. <laughs> like, if, 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 you call, if you have ever called your pet a fur baby, you're, you're going to the bad place, <laughs> right? If you've referred to any of your pets as your kids, going to the bad place, sorry, no. Have you ever seen the show uh, 30 Rock? I have not. Oh, okay, is this uh, like this is like a that's a deal breaker kind of thing where he's like that's to the bad place to the bad place. Yep. So I I would agree with your line of argument. I would totally be with your line of argument and all of that. And I think that's the thing. It's you what? Yeah, you don't have a rational soul, but heaven's not the end game, right? Right. The new heavens, the new earth is exactly. And I think there, if if it's a real authentic love, God's not going to destroy ultimately anything that brings us life and happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. And if that means that we're going to be reconnected with our dog that was around for 16 years, God can recreate that dog because it doesn't have a rational soul, so he can just make another. But here's one. the thing. Here's the thing. Right? Like one, it, it's. I think it's normal to have a, an affection for your pets. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yep. Absolutely. And yep. you can learn a lot about. I think uh, about. I mean, all creation points toward God in some way, right? So yep. you can learn stuff yep. like that. But when you're in heaven. And you get to heaven, the first thing you think when you're in heaven, the first thing you're excited about in heaven will not be your pet. Because you will be gazing right. at the face of God, and that will be the most dope thing that you have ever seen exactly. in all of your life. Like your, your, yeah, exactly. your cats and dogs, that's all, not even icing on the cake. That's like one sprinkle on the cake, right? Yeah. And if you don't totally. believe that, then you don't quite love God enough. That's what I'll say about that. Okay. Cool. Whew. Awesome. There we go. Whew. Nice. All right. What's your tweet? Oh my goodness. Let's let's load. We got. I gotta load them back up. Load them back up. The tweets. Oh, this is from Low Smitty JMJ. Uh, it's a meme. So maybe you've seen this meme. This picture of a of a, of a shocked Pikachu. 
So this is what the tweet goes like. So, a woman at the well. I don't have a husband. Jesus, you're correct. You've had five, and the man you're with isn't your husband. Woman at the well. Shocked Pikachu face. And I just really <laughs> like this because... <laughs> I, so I'm really <laughs> the picture is like so simple but so funny at the same time so like okay I am not cool when it comes to the internet like sometimes I make people believe I'm cool when it comes to the internet I'm really not yeah but you're not cool like don't worry trust me on I'm this not, one, you're not cool. up on I'm just guessing at what's cool I'm guessing what memes mean I'm guessing what the lingo is and most of the time I get it right but I don't un- have any deep understanding about it but I just right. really like this little Pikachu meme and I think it works really well and I really like the tweets. So there you nice. go. There we go. Cool. So what's our, uh, we got a Patreon tweet? Ah, oh, we do. Yeah. Patreon tweet. Okay. So I, we still haven't heard the bumper, but Nick's going to play it right now. Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. This is from tea with token it's from caitlin who not surprisingly ha- is part of our church lady tier on our patreon so not only is she in the pool for getting a tweet chosen after today she gets put back into the pool so this is the way it works if you're a five dollar donator once you get your name pulled you're out of the pool until the rest of the five dollar donations go in but if you're ten dollar you get to get picked over and over again potentially anywho so where are we? Aha, ha! So she also very disappointingly chose a tweet from Father Alex Shrank. Oh, I thought I was gonna say what Hunter again? No, no, Evan, <laughs> the worst two hundred tweets in a row. I would just, I, I would know. break my computer. I would end <laughs> this podcast. Okay, this is from Father Alec. This okay. is a good one. He says it's two a.m. Give me one good reason why mass should be celebrated versus populum. Hmm. So Father Alex Schrank, he's a night owl. He's up at 2 a.m. He wants to know what is a good reason for the priest facing the people during the mass. And let's see. Uh, I didn't see a lot of good ones. What do you think? Is it is it like what's I the didn't... best argument for this? I'm speechless. See, I, I'm, I'm still learning about this and reading about this because I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. What I've gathered is like, because the people have responses now and because of the increased emphasis on being able to hear what's going on at mass, the council or after the council, there's a suggestion that you have the priest facing the people so they can hear better. But with the advent okay. of microphones and stuff, you don't need that. Right. Well... Is there another I've reason? I've heard a different argument. Okay, go ahead. I've heard a different okay, argument. Okay, what's the other argument? People facing the people. This is uh, from a, a sister who taught theology at St. Joseph Seminary in Dunwoody, New York. Okay. Uh, a friend told me this, that her theory was actually this. When you when they would have mass at St. Peter's, face the, 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 the basilica was not built facing east. Yes. It was built facing west. Yes. So if they were to face east, they would actually be facing the people. So... For the first time, when the masses were being broadcasted from Rome at the council on TV, people saw the Pope facing the people. And they thought, well, hey, we should do this ourselves. Oh, that's a very interesting take. And so that it was just like TV kind of just actually spread a 
a, a weird sense of how we're supposed to celebrate mass. Okay, two things with that though. One, yeah. we hear about in those churches, the reason why the priest is facing that direction is because the direction he's facing, which is towards the people, is, is actually east. Exactly. And during the Eucharistic exactly prayers, it. people, or during at least the creed, people would turn and turn around to face the same direction as the priest. So that's one thing. Right. Um, yeah. But the second thing is that that's not, it is a suggestion. And then later on, a recommendation that new churches, after, this is after Vatican II, that new churches should have an altar built where the priest can face the people. I was under the impression that it was supposed to be so that we could walk around it. That might be it too. Just so you could incense around it is what another thing like, I've heard. when you read the germ, it still doesn't really give you any instructions about direction. Yeah. It, except for, and this is the interesting, I, I'm sure you've heard okay. this, right? It says a couple times in the germ, um, and the priest turning to face the people says this. Yes. Like in the books right now that your yeah. priest yeah. reads from, that's the instruction. And that implies, of course. That we're not facing mm -hmm. them. I know. The tradning. Oh, so here, speak quick about the trading. Yeah. Uh, so I was speaking with the college students about all this at my um, college chaplaincy. Mm -hmm. And so we're mm -hmm. going to give the whole ad orientum thing a try next semester. Nice. I'm going to find some fancier candlesticks and some fancier crosses. But cool. um, I mean, we talked about all the reasons why it's a good thing to do. But also I think, yeah. you know, this is a college. There's a spirit of trying new things, but really we're trying something yeah. old. But anyway, there's a spirit yeah. of that. So we got yeah, that. So we're exactly. gonna we're gonna do. I'm I'm interested to hear both their opinion, and we also have parishioners who go to this mass. I would like to hear their honest opinions about how they experience the mass differently, because it is noticeable. If you ever do, go to a a mass um, at Orientum facing east, like people, you notice a difference. You feel it. So. So thanks, Caitlin, for that tweet. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. And hey, you guys should, should, should you guys should can you, can you support. Speak? Why can I say these words? You guys should support Caitlin, aka T with Token. Buy her book. Check out her blog. She's wonderful. She yep. writes good things about Token, and she's doing like a, yep. a fun little uh, read along too. Um, so check all that out. Cool. Yeah. Well, I also want to do a read along. Uh, with St. Paul in my talk at Presbyteral Exhortations. So let's hit it. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best oh, part. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, yes, quite. Quite, yes, quite. quite. Eh. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just like a normal segue. Yeah. It's, a, it's a normal segue. That's it's a good, okay, it's okay to have normal segues. Right? It's okay to have, it's okay to have normal that's segues. That's a B. That's a B segue. That's, a, that's fine. That's fair. I'm okay with that. Yep. So, uh, Father Anthony, question. Mm -hmm. What is the kerygma? The kerygma is the story, the, the heart of the gospel, the mm -hmm. suffering, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's how we're saved. Yep. It's it's the it's the stuff. It's the stuff. It's the good stuff. Right. What what does uh what does the word kerygma mean? Do you know? It 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 means stuff in Greek. Actually, means good stuff, stuff. in Greek. Oh, okay. Does it not good stuff. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. In Greek. It, it, it it means preaching. Ah. See, I I only preach the good stuff, so that's why in my brain they're like the same. It means. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Fair. 
So I want to talk about the Kerygma today a bit because this is kind of a bit of a continuation off of what I talked about a couple weeks ago with Pope Benedict and sacramentality. And it's been something that's been on my mind a lot. Yeah. Because I didn't just talk about that here. No, you didn't. You were ruining <laughs> a bit of a sticky so Here's the thing. No, no, no. I'm going to stop you right here because we talked about this a little bit a few episodes yeah. ago. And then you just go, you get invited by the crunch, peh, 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 and then catching foxes, peh, peh, peh. And your thoughts get more and more organized and you get better. And as I'm listening to this, I'm like, Father Harrison, you're wasting all the good stuff on these B-level podcasts. What about us? What about clerically speaking? I thought we were special. I thought we meant something. So, first of all, I forgive you. don't. Okay. But I forgive you for that and that hurtful thing you just said to me. I forgive you for all that. And I'm glad we get to talk about this again because there is a lot okay. more to flesh out, I think. There is a lot more to flesh out. And the reason reason it kind of got better is uh, for those... I, this, the reason I do stuff like Twitter threads or I, I start with talking about something here is I process by talking it out. I can't just sit there and just let it simmer in my head. It's I process by talking and I need to bounce it off. Have you ever seen the show House? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how he that's how he does his his um, diagnose mm-hmm. diagnoses, right? It's it's he needs his team around him to bounce ideas off of to get to the conclusion. And I'm yeah, I'm an external processor. I'm an extrovert, and that's what I do. So I wanted to talk about this because it's been getting around to this idea. Okay, so if the sacramental vision is so important, then this, I think, has implications about how we preach the saving message of Jesus Christ. Okay, right? yeah. If, if, if like we talked about how the sacramental vision, for example, is, is something that's always going to unite the past, the present, and the future all into one. Because Jesus in his humanity takes up our eternity. Sorry, Jesus' humanity is the means by which God's eternity comes into t- into our time, and our time goes up into God's eternity. So that the past is never just the past anymore. It's always present to us today. This has an implication, I think, for preaching as well. And this is something, so I was talking to a friend about this, Uh, on the weekend who really kind of helped me flesh this out a bit more specifically because I've been I don't know have you ever heard of and actually something Gomer talked about a bit on on Catching Foxes that I hadn't heard before that was what got me on a new direction with this he talks about the four spiritual laws that is used in Protestant preaching for helping people come to a decision about Jesus okay so the four spiritual laws are this you are made for a relationship you broke the, the, the sin broke this relationship mm-hmm. Jesus is the bridge that that brings this relationship back together and you can have that relationship today sounds pretty good okay my question with this is where is that in scripture I would say I mean it's I think it's found in John you could say, I know I'll call you slaves, but friends. There's this reestablishment right. of a connection. Okay. I mean, but like, it, I mean, I mean, I mean this more like when they're preaching the charisma in, in, in Acts, and then when Jesus is preaching his charisma in the Gospels, yes. or when Paul's preaching about it in his letters, where do we see a specific kind of four point system like that? I would, I mean, you don't see, yeah, you don't see it laid out like that. Right. But I'm also a real hesitant to say, like, oh, you don't see this laid out in scripture? Like, that's like that's what, what what we complain about all the time, right? Right. So, 
they, this question had me going because it wasn't just this. It was when we preach the charisma, I think we've over individualized it. Oh, right. I think that's true. Yeah. Right. Now, me it's not wrong to my Jesus. It's not wrong not to say yours, that my Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I've never heard that before. I just made it up. I'm really talented. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. So you haven't heard this That's, in in, in yeah. scripture. It's making you think that um, the charisma so, is presented yeah, so, in an individualistic way. Yes, because okay, yes, it's true. We have a personal relationship with Jesus because we are persons, right? Are you a person? Last You're time person. I checked, yes. Okay, good. I'm a person, and so by being persons, it it de facto means that we have a personal relationship with Him. But when we hear the word personal today, I think we tend to hear it in an individualistic sense. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it just becomes a, well, I, it's just me and Jesus. That's everything. But that's not the way we live our faith, right? Is, is, it, is, is being a Catholic just all about me and Jesus? No, it's very much about the church, about the community, about, exactly. you know. I mean, that's the second law is to love others um, as yourself. Yeah. And that implies right. a very strong community. The fact that Jesus Christ talks about his desire that we all be one implies not mm. just community, but a strongly, tightly knit community. So it is right. anything. What does, what does, what's, the, what's the image Paul uses for the church? Uh, he uses marriage. And? Oh, man, I thought. Corinthians. I, think Corinthians. Uh, I was really confident in my previous answer, and now my brain turned off. Well, what do you need to have to enter into a marriage if you're like a man or a woman? You need a... Not just a soul. Uh, Man, I'm just thinking about body parts. Like, you need those. You need a body. <laughs> yeah, need a okay, body. good, all right. <laughs> the body, the body, right? <laughs> that's one of the questions we ask when we're doing marriage prep. Is there anything that would that's prevent true. you we from... That's true, we do ask that question. I was like, you need a body, because like, that's, that's that's Paul's main image of the church. Yes, right? correct. Yes, it's all coming back to me he's talking now. about marriage, he's talking about... He's talking about it as Jesus's relationship to the church is what marriage images, right? Yes. So, but his, so his primary image of the church is a body, and that body is a communion, and that communion is established through baptism, by which we participate in the saving death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, I want to read to you a little something from Saint Paul. Let's let's get scriptural for a second. Oops, I almost knocked over a leg again. All right, it's from Colossians. It's one of my favorite hymn so i just want to kind of spit on it for not spit on it but you know spit with it for a bit you know like i just want to kind of riff on it okay have you forgotten how to read a bible no i've forgotten how to read for a second okay i'll just start with first nine it's going to be a little long but just bear with me because i for this reason since the day we heard it we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. And remember, too, when he's using the word you here, he's always it's always the plural, okay? Yeah. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from this, his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father 
who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want to, I'm going to go on with that in a second, but I want to stop there. What do you hear there that's charismatic? Uh, the new life we were called to. Okay. What is And what he says he rescued us, right? From what? From darkness and sin. I definitely wasn't checking my email when you were reading scripture <laughs> on the podcast. Definitely wasn't wow. doing that. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. The scriptures are being proclaimed and you're so checking. So here's the thing. Email. Here's the thing. I'm thinking uh, minus 20 points. So before, before, before we started this podcast, Father Harrison and I were talking. We're like, and Father Harrison was like, you know what? Father Anthony, he says to me, I should be asking you more questions on the podcast because I don't ask you enough questions. I'm beginning to think maybe you should ask me less questions <laughs> and just go back to saying stuff. All right, I'm focused. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Do you have your Bible with you? I do. do you have Look, I've all the books. Okay. Okay. It, uh, Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Okay. Colossians. This is... By the way, for, for those who don't know, this is also, we pray this every week in evening prayer, once a week. So it's something we get. Right? Oh, yeah, I got so, you, I got you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what, where, where, so what do you see in there that's, that is charismatic? Uh, strengthened by the power, giving thanks to the Father, he delivered us from the dominion yes. of darkness and transferred yes. us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Good. So yes. deliverance, redemption, bringing us to the kingdom. Yes. That's all right. charismatic. Right. Does he say he transferred you, like you individually, into his kingdom? Oh, no. He's saying like, he says, you guys, us, you Colossian folks. Us. Yes, exactly. He has, and he's not, he's including himself in this too. Mm. He's rescued, not just you, he's also rescued me. Now, it's not to say, Paul does talk about this individually. Like in Galatians, he says, I, something the effect of, something of, for the love of Jesus Christ, who 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 loves me and gave himself up for me. Yeah. So he does recognize that personal character. But when you read Paul, and remember, Paul was written before the Gospels, right? Yes. So you want to know what preaching looked like in the early church. Actually, look to Paul. What did his what did his proclamation have to say? So here are the interesting things from that passage. We give thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light so that this is something that you participate in, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and that Jesus has come to rescue us. The, the main proclamation of the kerygma is actually about the kingdom, right? Yes. It's about God's kingdom. It's the inbreaking of God's kingdom into the world. This is what Jesus, what, in Mark 1.15, right? Repent. The kingdom of God is near, right? It, it's, it's the focus it's the center of everything that jesus has to say and this is what Je jesus is now the one who rescues us and brings us into his kingdom he through his cross he has actually literally rescued us and we are rescued through baptism to participate in that cross and have been transferred right like it, it's not we, we were in the dominion of the devil now we are under christ's dominion and under his reign and we are in his new creation that he is starting and it's in him, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Like, and that's the key predicate right there, right? In. Mm -hmm. it, those, that, those two letters are so important for Paul. I, I don't know if I said it on here before, but C.S. Lewis loves that phrase. He says that if we only knew what the word in meant in Paul's letters, we would die of ecstasy. Right, yeah. Right? 
it, it's a, but you're starting to see I'm like I I don't see anything about how we were created for a relationship and how we broke the relationship and how we Jesus is the bridge uh, okay I know I know I know I know I know I'm not saying I'm not saying like I'm not saying what it says is wrong okay the, the four spiritual laws right what I'm saying is I think there's a way forward to being even more authentic in how we preach the kerygma. Okay. Okay. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I'm just posing questions for our audience to ponder. Okay. So that's in Jesus. We have redemption. It's in him, in him. We are redeemed and we have forgiveness of sins. We are in the new kingdom. We are in the new reign of God. So he continues. He, Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers all things have been created through him and for him he himself is before all things and in him all things hold together he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. That last bit is so huge. Making peace through the blood of his cross. He was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Ah, okay, yeah. He didn't just come to redeem you, Father Anthony. Mm-hmm. He came to redeem all things. Well, it's it's sounding like what you're getting at, and I think this is a very biblical thing, is the way he redeems you, Father Harrison, or me, Father Anthony, or you, person listening in your car, is by gathering us together into him. Exactly. He doesn't just, like, he doesn't, like, pull you out of, like, a, a hat. He wants to, yeah. like, take open up his arms wide on the cross and just grab you all and bring you all in. Like, it's part of the yeah. unity of humanity, of creation. Exactly bringing peace because that's I mean that's what original sin really is it's this thing that divides us divides us from ourselves divides us from each other divides us from creation yeah and this is the thing so there's a reason Paul's using the he's talking about the church when he's giving this amazingly deep theology of the cosmic Jesus right Um, there's a reason the church is at the center there because in the church is the beginning of the new creation yeah Yep, yep, yep. Right? It's the new Israel. It's the new creation. You are members of this in his body through baptism. And he has come to draw all things, not just humanity, but the whole of creation back to himself. Because through us, sin not just affected humanity, it affected all of creation. And these are things I find that we are, we, 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 we kind of lose sometimes. So he continues on after that. I mean, it's just, it's, read Colossians, folks. It's brilliant. He goes, then you get, so <laughs> here at, hearing clearly this, speaking, we like you to read the Bible. Exactly. So he says, and you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue secure continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed by to every creature under heaven okay every creature 
I, Paul, I came, became a servant of this gospel. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you the question that okay. I feel like people are asking right now. Okay. What does this have to do with preaching? Everything. Because... I'm intrigued. <laughs> Go on. What Paul's trying to do here is he's giving a more cosmic um, view of salvation. It's actually... I'm not trying to deny the personal element. I'm not trying to deny... Uh, its importance in faith. And I do think that it was an element that was lost for a while. But what we're really trying to get at is that Jesus doesn't just come to save you. He comes to save everything. It actually kind of gets back to our question earlier about do pets go to heaven, right? Uh, it's about saving everything. God wants sin to be gone and he needs to transform humanity to do that. We need to be saved in order to save the whole rest of creation. This is why, actually, I would even go so far as to say, this is why the church has a bit of a teaching about ecology and so forth in a, in a way, because it actually shows that um, what happened as humanity goes, so goes the, the whole of creation. The issue became this. And so I was talking to my friend about it, and she really helped me kind of clarify this. She goes, the problem was she th she felt that we lost this kind of personal element of faith it was all about just the church it was to the church to the point of you were just an invisible cog in the machine mm -hmm. and you didn't really think about that you could actually approach jesus i said that's totally fair and i think that's actually a very fair critique but i said i think we've gone too much in the opposite direction when our people were saying we're preaching the kerygma yeah where it's all about just you and jesus and you and jesus what Paul's talking about here is saying, no, it's not just you and Jesus. He's saying it's us, it's us in Jesus through his church. And so if we're going to preach Jesus, we have to preach the church with it at all times because the church is his body by which we are saved. You see, because this gets actually to the question of, well, okay, fine. Jesus died 2,000 years ago for me. How do I appropriate that today? Baptism, Right. Baptism is the place by which Jesus allows you to immerse into his death and resurrection so you can continue to participate that in the life of the church today. So in other words, the church is the means and the place of encounter with Jesus. Um, I was reading a, a tweet on Twitter the other day. It was like at a conference, and he was talking about Cardinal Ratzinger with regards to preaching Jesus. And he says that Cardinal Ratzinger would say there is no such thing as mere Christianity because you can't, for Ratzinger, you cannot have Jesus without the church. Mm. Right? You cannot have him without the church. You you want to encounter Jesus, it's through the church. And the church is the means and the place for coming to that experience and appropriation of salvation. It's not, and yes, you're going to have a personal element in that always. And we need to make sure we do that. But I always would say that actually the communal element or the communion element of the life of the church always has a primacy in preaching. It's not to the neglect of the personal, but that personhood is only found in relationship to others. Okay. So okay. all this good stuff. Yes. I'm, yeah. My brain is trying to get to the so what of all of this or okay. to, and so part of what you're saying as far as like losing the communal aspect. Yeah. 
I think that a lot of churches in my area, because of what we have to go through with this consolidation mm-hmm. thing and bringing the churches together, potentially might be suffering from this. Right. Or, a, or I think a lot of churches suffer from this, a kind of a parochialism where it's only their church and their parish because for so long their parish has been their comfort who has brought them yeah. to their Jesus. So it's very right. much not seen as community. But on the other hand, right. you have some parishes that are all about community, all about community, all about the community, so much so that they make it into an idol and you lose yeah. Jesus Christ. Right. And right. the challenge for me has been in preaching to get people to think more communally and more cosmically. Right. Uh, I mean, at the very least outside of a single parish. You don't think at, yeah. even outside of a, a, a diocese at times. Yeah. Uh, so I, I see that part of it. Okay. So there's two things with this. This is why I think it's important to answer your question. When we're just preaching the four spiritual laws, the church just becomes kind of a tacked on thing. It doesn't flow organically from the preaching. So that when you're telling people, hey, we need to, okay, well, great. I, I've chosen Jesus. Now what? Well, now you go into the sacraments, you do all this stuff, and it's like, well, but doesn't like there's not a logical continuation there. When we're preaching, if okay, I, I agree that there needs to be a simple and clear way to present what who Jesus is, what He's done for you, and how you can all enter into that salvation. I'm not against that, but I feel that the way we've been sometimes presenting this, um has detached itself from the church and thereby makes things like the sacraments and the spiritual life of the church and the mass seem like tacked on rather than a part of part of actually the kerygma itself. Oh yeah. I mean I think you see okay. that in a lot of Catholics who right. consider some consider themselves Catholics, but it's no big right. deal if they miss Sunday Mass. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. don't go to confession in two years. Right. It's yeah. not part of their identity and who they are. And exactly. It's very much, I mean, there's very much the idea, I think, among many Catholics that you don't actually need the church to be saved. Exactly. You can exactly. pretty much do it on your own. And, and we've actually, I would say we've been struggling with this for about 500 years um, since about the Reformation. And I think we're only now coming to rediscover this whole sacramental worldview as a church and seeing its importance and forming it into the life of the church. And you're just starting to see it pop up in different ways. So that that's the one thing. The second thing is then, okay, fine. Because I think the charisma will actually be more powerful and more convincing when we present it more in accord to the way Paul and Jesus presented it. The reason I, I, I'm struggling, okay, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying I'm struggling with the idea of like the four spiritual laws, mm-hmm. is it may be, I guess you can look at it this one way. I, I got to be, you know, I want to be fair. You could look at it kind of like a symbol of the, or like the creed, right? In the sense, like it's not, it's not in scripture like this, but it's summing up something that scripture says, right? right? Okay, that's fair. But look at the way Peter preached. Look at the way Paul preached and how many people they got because of it. I'm re- I've been reading a lot of church fathers lately and just been blown away by their homilies. And so stuff like Gregory of Nyssa, he's got the sacramental vision in his preaching. He's got this whole cosmic idea in his preaching and trying to bring people to conversion. 
but he's also engaging with the questions that are in people's hearts at the time too. So he's not ignoring them. And I think this is what, like, this is where it's going to be different for us because there's different questions today and we need to address them. But like, let's, let's take Paul's, let's like, we haven't been trying Paul's way. Like, like if I ask people, what's the curriculum? They say to me, the four spiritual laws. I say, okay, great. Cool. Well, where did, where did the foolish four spiritual laws come from? And they'll say, oh, well, that, like, this is how Paul and Peter preached. I'm like, well, no, they didn't preach that way. This is how they preached that Jesus enters into, like, it, it's more cosmic. It's more dramatic. It's more eventful than all, all of that. It's saying Christ has come in to conquer sin and death. And he's done this dramatically through the cross. And he has now rescued us from the reign of sin and death, which means that we, the whole of humanity, has the hope of being in the new creation with and in him. And by following him and by entering into him through baptism and repenting of our sin, we enter into the new covenant and the definitive covenant that God has brought. And I just see that as even more exciting. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't disagree with you. I feel like all the stuff yes. you're saying isn't wrong. That's not you know, because of uh, right. But my what I'm thinking as you're talking is maybe for some people everything you just said just like lit them up interiorly and they're like it's clicking for right. them. It's making sense for them. It's good. Yeah, I know. But I think for a lot of people that's just. Ugh, I hate to do. It. I hate to throw your entire beautiful. Um, th- but it sounds like just a bunch of stuff, like just a okay. bunch of words. I, uh, let right. me get let me get more because that's yeah. not a helpful critique. Um, okay, but how <laughs> my my brain is going like okay, someone who just shows up at mass, yeah, you tell them all the stuff you just told them. I don't know if it's gonna click for them. Like, it, how do we have to take like three steps back? Because I mean, or is is your critique only helpful if someone has already gotten those four spiritual things into their brain? Right. Are we so individualistic that first we need to get, or are we at a place yeah. in the church where we do need to focus on that personal relationship and then bring people right. deeper into the expanded Catholic universe? You know, like uh, right. I hear you. Know, I told no, but I, and I hear you, and I and it's these are questions I'm wrestling with too. It's okay. This makes like this might make sense, whatever, about how to preach, but the question becomes. Um, how do we talk this is so foreign to people today mm-hmm. the culture doesn't speak this way how is there a way to bridge the gap i gotta be honest the more i think about this the more i think there's an unbridgeable gap between the culture and what we're saying yeah and we have to kind of be okay with this it's just hard. let it be weird just let it be weird, exactly, and it communicates itself, but I right? Think even, so, but I think even like in the ancient times when Paul and they're preaching, there right. I feel like there is a deeper sense of community. There's less individualism to the people they're preaching as. Right, right, right. It's I think it's easier for them to hear than it is for people now to hear. Right, and I think the balance we want to get to is to say you have a personal choice to make to enter into the communion life of Jesus through His Church. But that to make the choice for Jesus is always and also to make a choice for the church. I feel like the church has been ignored in it, I guess, is where I'm trying to get hmm. at. And everything and the mystery of the life of the church that comes with that. Here's here's where I think you need to go with okay. your with your thoughts. Okay. And when you go on someone okay. else's podcast, what you need to work on and come back and have, <laughs> I doubt I will. So but this has been kind of going through my head through 
everything you've been saying now and the things you've been saying in a few other podcasts is this deeper understanding of what it means to be a new creation and the word that keeps popping up that the fathers use that I think is a part of this that is very foreign to the culture now is divinization. Yeah. How we are become through all of this stuff, through the sacramental, yeah. all the stuff, we are becoming divinized. We are becoming like God. And this is, yeah. I think, the next step in talking about this. So that's one thought. Ugh. And the other thought that keeps like exploding in my brain is that we're so bad. Like we focus on community, we focus on all this stuff yeah. or whatever. But what the church is really bad at right now is just loving each other. Right. You know, uh, we focus on standing up and shaking your neighbor's hand or having mm-hmm. a, a welcoming coffee and donuts thing or whatever other thing. But we're not, we don't think it's actually that important to love each other. Right. I don't know how that fits into what you were just saying. Um, well, no, I think I think it does in the sense that it expresses the interiorization of communion. Yeah. Right. And if if we don't, if we just see it as just a community gathering, it doesn't, you know, and, and it's because you do see that you see the people you see you see the people who really interiorize this and care about their neighbor and actually want to do live the gospel towards their brothers and sisters in Christ and so on and so forth. So, but, and so that's where the personal element comes in, right? It's just like, I not only am a member of this, but I want to really throw my whole self into the life of the communion of the church. But when we are, I just feel that, um, sorry, not feel, but I, I really think that there's something to how Paul preached. And I think we just need to regain that confidence again. No, I agree with of, that, yeah. Of, Maybe there's something to the way he did this. Maybe there's something to the way Peter did this that actually becomes convincing to people. Because I think the issue for a lot of people, it's not that they don't believe that God is real or that Jesus came and died on the cross. Their question is, how is this real for me today? Yeah. And if we start to communicate that vision in that, well, God's past or the past of history is always today in the church then people can say, okay. They may not understand it, but they'll say, okay, I, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And they start to live that reality. And it's like, oh, wait, no, yeah. I'm like really participating in Jesus' death and resurrection. I'm really following his way. And I'm really seeing myself as a core essential member of his body to bring the whole creation back to that right order with God. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm thinking more and more that all preaching, the, the only goal of preaching is just to get to just to get people to pray. Because hmm. I think we try too much with preaching to give people the thing, or like right. after this homily, then you'll get it. And right. sometimes that happens, and that's really cool and all. But I think a lot of times this will only translate if people actually get taught by Jesus Christ. Now, I mean, he does that in preaching, yeah. But right to bring these things, to bring these questions, like after every homily, after every Sunday. Each family should have something to go home and pray about and to pray with. Right. I think that's an approach to understanding more and more what this is. But as far as, yeah, yeah, getting back to what Paul and the fathers did, yeah, because our preaching gets, 
man, we get so gimmicky and we have so many yeah. strategies and so many yeah. and it's like they didn't. They just like their hearts exploded with the real with the charisma, with the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were yeah. bringing this community together and it was the church. See, and getting back to that, yeah, I think yeah. is right. And and this is the other thing too with this, right? It, it, if you start to see it on this more cosmic level and it's starting to be presented this way, because I think this is the other thing. Okay, great. This Jesus guy, see, kind of a cool idea, but what has he changed? Yeah. Well, actually, he's changed everything. everything. If you start, and if we start to interiorize that, it starts to inform everything and in how we live, right? Not just in terms of how we live to each other, but how we relate to creation and the rest of the world. And it's like, well, you see it. You want to know how, how you can tell that he's changed everything? Because you see it in us. Mm-hmm. Oh, my you goodness. See it in us. Yes. We don't right? act like the new creation we are. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, but we don't act like that because we haven't been presented that. Mm-hmm. And that's something the fathers like. I was writing Gregory Nissa's homily this week. I tweeted a, a little thread about it on um, the baptism of the Lord. It was so brilliant. And it's just been convincing me to start to try to preach like the church fathers, which is more sacramental, more uh, more allegory in your preaching. Mm-hmm. But I think it presents the richness, and it, it kind of forms in an intuitive and non um, like you you kind of start to just it's like if you breathe it in enough, you start to see it that way. And so if you start preaching it that way enough, people start to just shift their mind a little bit. And I think there's something. Like there, there's a reason that we preach this way for 1,500 years. Yeah, right. There is a reason for that. Pope Benedict does this really well. I think he's kind of like a modern church father in the way he preached, and he's really worth. I want someone to collect all his homilies. Oh yeah, I mean, Benedict will be a doctor of the church one day. Yes, no doubt. Um, yeah, but yeah, cool. Yeah, this is this is I'm, as you can tell, I'm still working this out. But I think I'm getting – we're getting more precise as we go along a bit. I think part of what it is, the thing we're, we're encouraging people to yeah. dive into, like we're kind of rediscovering as well. Yeah, exactly. Like we're getting this into exactly. our brains and our hearts. Yeah. This is this is the real rediscovering Catholicism right here. <laughs> <laughs> rediscover fired. the church fathers. That's how you rediscover Catholicism. Exactly. And, and it's because we want to proclaim it well, and yeah. I think it's – it's um, for me, for people just to understand a bit why I, I talk about things this way too. I'm an intuitive thinker, so I'm seeing conclusions and reasons why this is important, but I still am struggling to give the words to them. So yeah. by talking this out, this is helping me kind of get to the goal of okay, great. What what's the real what's the real effect of this? And for me, I really I really see it as the, actually it changes everything of how we present the gospel to people. And so I'm just, my encouragement is start to read Paul, especially the introductions to his letters. Oh my goodness. That's where he, the way he introduces himself, this is what struck me yeah. like, is we glance over that part, like all of his introductions, they, they seem to go on and on yeah. and on. But in his introductions, he's describing this new reality he's about to share with you. Um, exactly. He's, he's, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's just, he's, he's setting the tone for, um, He's setting the tone for his whole letter. So here, here's here. I'll just I'll end with another Paul quote. Okay, this is from Second Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, including all the saints throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by Christ, by God. For just as the suffering of Christ are the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. He's setting the whole tone for that for it there. But again, you notice the you he's talking to the whole church. Yep. Right? It's it's got that communion character again. And I just I just feel we've been losing that a bit. And it needs so I guess what I'm trying to say and I'm not against the four spiritual laws. I just feel that they need to be integrated with the more communion uh vision of things, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And that's kind of where and I'm trying to figure out how that's going to look. I still don't know yet. I'm working that out. But that's the target. And by doing a podcast on this, this has helped me to, to figure that out. Because there's not a lot of books on the kerygma. I was looking this up. Oh. There's not a whole lot of studies on the kerygma. <laughs> Just as a little interesting note. All right. So, unfortunately, we ran out of time for Tommy. Yeah. So, sorry, Tommy. We'll have you on the next show. Mm-hmm. Um. You can find us at ClericalPod on Twitter and our email is at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. You can also support us on our Patreon. Anything extra that we don't need goes to the missionaries of charity to support their works to serve the poorest of the poor. Uh, I am uh, at FR Harrison. And I'm at Father Sharapa. And we will see you all next week. God bless you. Peace.